0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> A good day with hills. Yeah, yeah. It's so you know that that goes through her. Right?
1: And welcome to the Donna Frown Podcast. How's it going, guys?
0: Woo! No, You're gonna hear this and be like, "You
1: bastard!" I am here with two of my best friends, hanging out, having a great time. And we're excited to chat about a new movie that has been getting some buzz, but maybe not the buzz that we thought it. But before we get into all that, before we get into all this beautiful nuts, I'm super excited to see his face again. The mouth of the South. Brylon, how's it going, man? Hey, how's it going tonight? Going well. It's going well. I mean, long day, uh, you know, but uh, at the same time, I'm super excited to be talking to uh, you guys, hanging out with some of my best peeps. Cool. What you, uh, yeah. what you uh, what you uh, what you been watching and you know, what you uh, sipping on over there?
2: So what I'm sipping on is something that I have literally scoured, not not the earth necessarily, but the greater Boston area to try to find a nice bottle uh, that a, a taste of home, as you like, as you would say. Uh, and I have stumbled upon a nice bottle of Gentleman Jack. Ooh, this is. Hands down, the best Jack Daniels you'll ever have. Uh, and it is worth every cent that I get out of it. And so I am very happy I was able to find this. The guy had to rifle through boxes upon boxes in his cellar. It took him 10 minutes to find a bottle, but he found one bottle just for me. It was nice. Ah, awesome. Nice.
1: And where'd you buy it from?
2: Where'd I buy it from? Yeah. I bought it from Federal Wine and Spirits in the Financial District. Nice. Oh, that's awesome.
1: Yeah, so what you watching?
2: Um, I've been watching, I watched the first two episodes of Comrade Detective on Amazon Video. Uh, So this is the 1980s Romanian detective show that has been dubbed over by people like Channing Tatum, Joseph Gordon Levitt, Nick Offerman, John DiMaggio. Uh, And it's interesting because I wanna do I wanna dive deeper into this to see was this an actual nineteen eighties Romanian pro-communist detective show? Or is it something they kinda of shot with a lot of Romanian actors to make it look like that? Hmm. Uh, because at the same time it's really funny, really crazy, really ridiculous because they take this pro-communist stint on all their jokes. Uh, and they just kind of like shit on capitalism in America the whole time. Uh, and they do it in a very lighthearted fashion, which makes it uh, pretty cool. Like uh, they find, a, they find a, a Monopoly board game and they're like, what is this Monopoly? And they have to actually, they do forensic tests on it and stuff <laughs> to figure out what it is. Uh, but at the same time, the detective story is actually really interesting and intriguing. And so I can't stop watching it. So it's only six episodes, so it should be a quick binge, and I should get a lot of entertainment out of it.
1: Nice. That's Comrade Detective that's on uh, Amazon Video, so that's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm super pumped because I know I've been uh, really delving into a lot of this different sort of content, and I see that The Tick is coming back. Did you see that? Um,
2: August 25th.
1: Okay. Cool. I was really pumped. That I know that was something that you actually brought up way episodes ago. Like We were talking about this. I think actually yeah. like maybe over a year ago uh, we talked about this and it was for the um, uh, premiere week. What was that? Uh, pilot yeah, week? Um, their pilot season. Pilot season, yeah. So I, I was yeah. really pumped. I mean, I, I watched a bunch, but I was really intrigued and I was really hoping that The Tick gets signed on because I had like high hopes for the show and they had a very interesting way of talking about like um, you know mental health. And just how to like what's going on in that capacity, so I'm super pumped about that, and I really hope we get a chance to get around to that. So
2: yeah, it definitely felt like more subversive than the previous Tick incarnation, so it probably will be less slapsticky, but more like kind of think about it for a second kind of humor.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: Cool. I've always I've always uh, approached the Tick as like a live action Animaniacs anyway. So
1: yeah, I can see that. Cool. Well, as always. I'm glad you're here. Thank you. And you know who else I'm glad is here? That's
0: a lie. You're being lying right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm being lying. I am yeah. being... I am. <laughs> if he was, if he, he was any animal, he'd be a lion.
1: That's, all, <laughs> that, that's terrible. Uh, yeah. The Shredder himself, all the way from oh. East Berlin, again. <laughs> Mike, how's it going, man?
0: Hey, not too bad. Um... What I'm drinking, uh, classic Narragansett Lager, uh, which I'm sure my mom will judge me for drinking such mediocre beer. Uh, but I love it; it's great. Yeah, cheaper than in Arizona. In to keep it fertile and stuff. Anything right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> It's a uh, made on honor, which I never read that before. Sold on merit—that's that's a pretty solid slogan. Uh, the reason that I'm blustering about uh, what I'm drinking is because I've watched literally nothing. Um, I think we're going to try and do Wet Hot American Summer, but I haven't watched it yet. So you know, that's how it is.
1: You know, as always, I'm trying to
0: record an album. Uh, I'm trying to record an album, and it's it's impacting my you know everything else.
1: As always, Just I appreciate so- you contributing to. Nothing.
0: Contributing a lot. It's great.
1: <laughs> I saw you watching The League. You could have talked about that. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. But that's
1: fine. Uh, and as
0: al- hang out sometimes outside of the podcast. Sometimes. I don't want, pe- I don't want people knowing that, no. but it, ha- it does happen.
1: Accidentally. Accidentally. Yeah. yeah. Every time. Uh, as always, I am Warren, your host for this evening's show. Uh, today, we will be talking about The Dark Towers, the adaptation of Stephen King's. Uh, I actually don't know, uh, I didn't recognize this director, um, but I looked back and see like some of his work, so we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, I have been watching um, a show that's on Netflix, and I, I, was, super, I was super excited about it. Um, Keegan-Michael Key is in it, and, um, and also Kobe Smuth is. Uh, and it's about, you know, the title of the show is Friends from College. I'm not going to spoil the show too much for it, although it, it really does start it, but I, the one thing I, I do enjoy about this show, and I guess this type of comedy, is it really sets up the awkward moments, and it makes it really difficult for I guess I think it's like almost cringeworthy how bad some of these moments are, or some weird sort of awkward silences of what could happen in that in the moment in that series. Uh, and there's a one snippet in which there was a gender bender, role switch of um, a Streetcar Named Desire, and it I think they they make a really funny point, but they have like a quote unquote rape scene in it and. It's kind of weird because you see the the woman, who's a very, very short, I think petite, like a Filipino woman, and the guy is dressed in drag, and they're just sitting there for like three minutes, four minutes of a, of a rape sequence that happens on stage, so it was a really weird way to necessarily kind of show um, a comedic portion of it, but I think i want to try to keep going. I think I'm going to probably finish it because there's, there's some things that's happening in the show that uh, I try not to talk about so I don't ruin it, but it is an interesting show, so definitely go check it out. It's on Netflix. Uh, And that is called Friends of College. I am sipping on a new... I think it's new, at least. It is called The Drop Rosé Wine Crafted in California. And they have a hashtag here, because we know we like hashtags. Hashtag sip that. Uh, uh, Hashtag... Is it hashtag 57 or just number 57? See? See? Who knows? Huh? Uh, It says, No offense, but it's code for... This will be offensive. Hmm. Yeah, some pretty. Uh, I thought that was
2: wasn't isn't three eleven the code for indecent
1: exposure. I I don't know. I would like that band, but I I, I got. I to always know. thought that was an urban legend based on the
0: band. I thought that had <laughs> no merit in actuality. Probably doesn't. Yeah.
1: But uh, apparently, uh, this one here is a rose in a can. Uh, as much we love man can and canned wines all the time because they're just so portable and affordable. See what I did there? Uh, this wine here is super light. It's almost as if it's not even a wine. I can kind of barely taste it even when it's chilled, but it's definitely accessionable, And it's, it's a little butt dry, a little bitter on the t- tongue, just a little bit. But I think, you know, people probably get into wines if they don't really like too like, heavier the wines or heavier flavors of the reds or the whites, like starting with something that's a, like a rosé, like a nice mix. It definitely gets you into in tune with other wines. I say go check it out. Like four pack of these is like less than like twelve bucks. Um, and even says on here is that you know the drop can is two hundred and fifty milliliters equals to one point seven glasses of wine. So, that's it's pretty good over a glass of wine in this one can, and the can is only uh, two hundred fifty milliliters. So yeah, that is the drop. Rosé wine. I'm interested to uh, find some more. There's also a lobster on the front of it, which is weird because it's from California. But, huh. Yeah, difficult.
2: It probably has some clamato in it. Right? Could be. Or seafood.
1: It smells like seafood. It doesn't. I'm just <laughs> so we're pumped. We're excited. Let's talk about our feature review. We are here. We are going to be talking about The Dark Tower, <clears throat> featuring Matthew McConaughey. Idris Elba, and a couple other characters. Before we get into this, before we get into our actual review, I would want to say I would hit pause on the actual sort of recording for right now because we will be spoiling the movie for you. Reason why is that we want to give you our honest and opinion about it. Sometimes people don't really agree with our thoughts. Sometimes people do agree with our thoughts, but I want to preserve that magic as much as possible. So if you haven't seen The Dark Tower, I would say pause it, go out watch the movie, maybe, or watch a couple things, uh, come back to the Down and Front podcast and we'll pick you up in a second. So we will give you a quick break to do that and see you soon. excited. I'm excited. Mike it's excited. Uh, I'm excited just to talk about this film. Uh, yeah, I'm really interested in what we typically do is that we're going to be giving you our wins. We're going to talk about some of the criticisms and things that just didn't quite work for us. And then after that, we're going to wrap up and talk about grades and lasting thoughts. Um, here, what I'm actually going to do is I'm going to go ahead and toss it over to uh, Mike here. And Mike, I'm interested to hear some of your wins and things about The Dark Tower. Yeah, there a couple.
0: Um, I... I thought McConaughey was good. Uh, well, kind of cap it at good, but he played a very weird character, and he was definitely off-putting. Um, the one thing I'd say is that he had an Irish name but talked with a Southern accent, uh, and I thought that was a little bit awkward. But besides that, he definitely he played a very smooth-talking person that I could believe was someone who was manipulating those around him. Um, a couple of things. I thought that the landscape shots were were cool. Uh, when they pulled the camera out from the action um, and showed the surrounding set pieces, uh, they looked interesting and foreign and alien. Um, now, I don't know how much of this was done with matte paintings and how much of this is done with uh cg or how much of this was done on location uh i would definitely like to reiterate because i think i said this for alien covenant that earth still fascinates like you can still trek out to places and find these these little hole in the wall islands or parts of the desert or parts of some crazy forest that look nothing like how me and you and everyone else thinks earth should look like um I know that's not a great spotlight to be my second win of a movie that Earth is cool. Uh, but I'd, I still, I'd love to bring that up. And uh, based on our Alien Covenant review, we could probably figure out where this is going for this review as well. Um,
2: yeah, I mean, you bring up a great point that um, from the trailers, you would assume that Midworld is like an absolutely dead world. Like the gunslinger is the only person on that planet. But it was really cool to see, like, hey, it's actually. Has these little pockets of life and little townships everywhere. Uh, it's just that the land's been torn asunder and they had just the barest means to survive.
0: I thought the uh, the whole Chernobyl reference was kind of cool too, where they had like a, an amusement park that hadn't, hadn't been used in like thousands of years. Yeah. All, I mean, the only reason I know that's a Chernobyl reference is because of that Call of Duty 4 uh, mission where you run through Chernobyl. And yeah. that's it. I mean, it's like it's like they literally played that one level, and we're like, oh yeah, we could put this on an alien world, and people will be kind of creeped out because they played it that one time when they were in high school. Yeah, one thing I thought was neat about McConaughey was
2: um, his. Uh, some of his uh, powers were really interesting. One that I really thought was uh, cool in particular was when he um, he found the boy's mom. I forget the boy's cat. I think it's Jack. Jake. Uh, Jake. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He he actually finds his mom and is like, Oh, he drew pictures, show me. And like the pictures aren't there, but he kinda like forces her mind to actually retrace the steps and kind of build back the pictures. I
0: thought that was a really neat effect by his I kid. thought I thought from a, a like a unique standpoint, the whole stop breathing thing was kind of brutal. And yeah, like yeah. It, it was something I hadn't seen before where instead of suffocating or otherwise impeding their ability to get air, they literally just said stop breathing and they stopped everything in their muscle system from doing it. And that was a brutal way to watch someone go.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That was a definitely a tough... Uh, especially how nonchalant that it was, is like, you know, just to say hello to somebody or goodbye. And you can also kind of take a life that quickly. Um, so I definitely think that that was like a, a pretty crappy moment to necessarily sort of have but, you know, that's some pretty cool power to have, I guess. Anything else? No. Cool. Thanks. Uh, So let's talk. (laughs) So I'm going to toss it over to uh, Brylan. How about your thoughts? Some ways for uh, the Dark Tower. Uh,
2: Yeah, so I think Idris Alba does Uh, a really solid job with what uh, he has to work with in this movie, Uh, especially when it comes to his actions as a gunslinger. Um, When you're seeing him reload his guns or just take a moment to aim and shoot, his ricochet ricochet shots, really sick. There's this one uh, big battle at the end when uh, Walter takes Jack into the the area where he creates the uh, beams that take out the dark tower. That he has, like, 80 people he's got to take out, and he just, like, uses his uh, sense to scan the room, and he goes to town. It's amazing to see that. Yeah. Um, I also think he's really good when he's in those scenes where he's kind of the fish out of water. Like, uh, when they're riding the bus, and uh, those two girls are, I mean... saying, hey, baby, you want to join us tonight? (laughs) Because you've forgotten the face of your father's. (laughs) I like that type of a corny, like, fish-out-of-water humor that happens as well. And I think you did a solid job with uh, handling all that. Um, Also, uh, I thought that it was interesting that they brought up something like The Shine, because it's related to uh, Stephen King's other works. Uh, And um, I, I only heard of The Shine and The Shining, so it was an interesting plot development to bring in, so I was like, oh, so his his books are kind of connected into different universes, or might be all from the same universe, so that gets me a little bit more interested in trying to dive deeper into what these books are about. Yeah. And uh, one thing I like is that I feel like I'm not spoiled by what the books actually offer. I think uh, (laughs) this movie does a great job of well, it's going to be a criticism, but it, it does a job where it doesn't spoil me for the books, and I can go to the books and feel like I can get a new, fresh tale, which is really
1: neat. Good. I'm glad. I mean, yeah. I'm, I, I know, especially from a lot of uh, book readers, that at least I've heard from who've seen it, like, they had nothing but negative things to say, so it's definitely nice to see, like, a positive portion of that for somebody who at least kind of cares about that story you can actually still appreciate some uh, some of his work of what you get from the movie so thank you for that cool. yep. um, I would say you know I had a couple of things that I did like about I, I had a lot of, lot of stuff I enjoyed I enjoyed this movie kind of going into super blind so I didn't even know that this was a Stephen King story um, I guess like the only stories that I knew he wrote uh, like knew, knew he wrote and then also uh, uh, you know I saw the movies for it was It and Thinner So, kind of coming into this sort of action action sequence, I thought it was very interesting how they had, you know, uh, the dreams and, like, what was happening. I didn't realize that Jake was really... I thought Jake was causing those dreams. um, Or, excuse me, I thought Jake was causing those earthquakes. But... Um, I didn't I didn't realize that it wasn't him causing that like later on it was just something that he's necessarily seeing so they're also kind of setting up a couple different things of hey whatever they're doing for right now they are setting up for something in the future and I'm gonna talk about it a little bit later of you know how much you can do that what, what's acceptable and what's not um, I like the scenes of like I like the action sequences I like eggis Elba I like his father like, and his father and the fact that you know him and the man in black or Matthew McConaughey's character you know they have like they're on opposite ends of the spectrum and you have the gunslinger's motto, that chant, that's, you know, why you should be doing these things. You're not doing it for your personal gain, you're doing it for the protection of the people. So I thought that was a pretty powerful sort of moment and scene of, you know, I, I thought for sure that he was going to die. But I'm glad they did some stuff to keep Idris Elba around. Um, and I like, I like the action of the movie. Like, I think, I think it was definitely entertaining. I was interested and intrigued of seeing how the story was going to end. Um, because I just didn't know, and they at least gave me enough to say, you know, I'm interested to see what happens with Jake and um, Idris Elba's character, the gunslinger, and uh, Roland. Um, So I'm interested to kind of hear and, like, see about that stuff, and I'm interested to learn a little bit more about this shine and what that necessarily does and how he's coming into his powers. Um, So I thought that was just uh, also a fun part, and, like, that entire sort of end sequence was was pretty badass. I mean, it was almost like the Matrix sequence, um, number one, when they are going in to uh, bust uh, Morpheus out. So, I, I definitely got a sense of that, but they probably ramped it up a little bit because there was only one of him, and there was a bunch of them. Um, so, I thought it was uh, a pretty strong scene. Like, overall, I thought it was pretty cool. Uh, and they, they had a lot of things working in this movie um, that, you know, I think if you go in with, you know, zero expectations, of course, and you don't know what this movie's about, you're probably going to enjoy the movie. Um, but, You know, as we're going to transition to talk about, you know, criticisms, we can actually get into that for right now, that I know that there's some things that just didn't quite work for this movie, and I'm kind of interested, I'm going to start with Brylan here, of, you know, especially you, kind of coming from the books, and probably having the most amount of knowledge about this story, what are some things that just didn't work?
2: Yeah, um, just to clear there. like, I haven't really read any of these books, but I have a lot of friends I have read them. Yeah. So... I have inklings of what this story is about, <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's why that's why I said I'm excited. To that, I was kind of excited after watching this that I was not, I don't feel spoiled by what's in the book, so I can go read them and get a fresh take. Because uh, one thing this movie does is it's it's kind of a perfect uh, example of a poorly directed film. From and there's just every element of the movie are, don't really come together at all. Like, yeah. uh, the effects are terrible. There are parts in here that where the uh, demons from the rift that uh, when uh, Roland a, fights one of them in the forest, it's super dark in that scene, for instance, but also the CG and how they filmed it looks really, really bad. Like, a very bad episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh And there's uh, there's uh, just uh, some inconsistencies with the plot. And it's a very, very simple story for, if I'm imagining seven volumes of a story, there's got to be a lot of depth of character that they just toss to the side just to make this one two-hour movie, if it even runs
0: two hours. Well, so it was about an hour and a half. Uh, And to that, I had to look this up because I was a little bit confused on it. Apparently, it is the eighth story in the saga. So this is technically a sequel to all the books, even though they had to reintroduce everything, which I'll get to that in a second. But but yeah, it's technically the sequel to all the books. And there's also going to be a TV series with... TV series, which is a prequel to this movie. What? Oh. Huh. Yeah, so they're doing this really stupid. Like, they're, they're... I didn't know about this going into this, but, uh, yeah, it, it makes no sense. So you almost had to kind of... They almost tried to inoffend the people that read the books by making something that didn't include a lot of book material, and it was its own unique story with a lot of either callbacks or a couple... Apparently a couple scenes were lifted from the books. Hmm. But it also yeah. did a terrible job of like of, of saying that because they try to make yeah. it the start of a universe, but also the end of a universe, and also kind of the midpoint because they probably are planning on making more of these. Yeah, yeah I don't know. I, I it, that's yeah. I have no idea. It
2: feels over. I mean, it feels like it's definitely something that's been through too many hands. Didn't really have much focus to it. Uh, I mean, seeing Akiva Goldsman's uh, name as executive producer in one of those writers is definitely the first sign of trouble, because uh, last thing he was a writer of was Transformers. Um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's like we can't get away from Bomb. this movie! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is like three weeks um, in a row. <laughs>
1: oh.
2: Yeah, but uh, and when it comes to Matthew McConaughey, I'd I feel like I'm. I mean, this is like the most bored he's looked on film, and there's a weird shininess to his character throughout it like he over lotioned or something <laughs> <laughs> that just threw me off the whole time. Too it's much like, bigger, wow, he's really shiny, <laughs> and um, and his character kind of is like there to be the main bad guy but also be the uh, kind of exposition. Character as well, where like I think it I and this is the thing that bugs me the most is like there's interesting concepts in this movie, but they go they execute them totally terribly. Like there's one point where Walter's taking about talking about the gunslingers' guns, they're made out of Arthurium metal or something like that. And they said on um, on Keystone Earth, it's called Excalibur. I was oh. like, hey, that's cool. How about you show us that shit happening? Yeah, and I'm someone that really doesn't like things explained to me when I see a movie. But um, when you don't really explain anything, or if you have a cool concept like that and don't show it, you're doing the fans, you're doing the watchers' disservice in this movie. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's a, it's just a very messy film that all the pieces have issues with them. And I kind of feel bad for Idris Elba because he is like this one positive thing in the movie that's actually um, that actually tries his best to actually work with what's there.
0: Yeah, I felt bad about for Elba too. I think he was definitely trying, but they were underutilizing him. I mean, that guy is a captivating actor, and there's just nothing there to for him to work with. Like he. You give this guy with with such a great acting voice and such a powerful voice and then you make him like the strong silent type. Like, no, like you're underutilizing him. Mm -hmm. Um, You
2: have this whole code of gunslingers and history of gunslingers. Let him work that into his character and let him like go to town on
0: some monologuing about great gunslingers of the past or something. Well, and that goes to the what we were just talking about, where this movie didn't know what it was. It was it the start of a franchise? Was it the end of a franchise? Was it the middle of a franchise? Because if you really established who the gunslingers were, and then maybe how they relate back to our history, then we'd know what why that was important and why that wasn't explained. If this is the end of a, a series, then the first half hour of the movie wouldn't been necessary. The opening to the movie just was so fast, it was cutting between all these crazy concepts that it felt like you had to know to understand the rest of it, but you had no grounding on it because you are still trying to discover who the characters' names are. And you're, like, being presented with, like, oh, this is also what a gunslinger is. This is what The Shine is. This is, you know, who uh, Walter is, who they didn't even really name. He was just the man in black. Yeah, uh, yeah this movie just had no idea what it was. It tried to... It, it's crazy. It simultaneously combined too much information and not enough information at the same time like it was too much information about stuff that really didn't matter yes and not enough information to tell one cohesive story
1: yeah don't give me yeah. I, I can care less about the looks of his this love interest has happened like I, guy i don't care about that like tell me more about the things you said that you're gonna tell me about besides people just randomly dying like that's it's, it becomes very frustrating
2: yeah, and uh, one thing I noticed that might, I mean, be telling in this movie is don't really see Stephen King's name in the credits except for, this is based upon his story. So I'm wondering if he even gave
0: this his
1: blessing or not. Mm. That's a good point. Uh, that's yeah. a very good point. Yeah, uh, Mike, anything else?
0: Yeah, I get a couple things. Um, so fast exposition, I, like, kind of building on that theme. Um, let's talk about the action. So, contrary to what Bryland had said, uh, the gun foo in this didn't really bring anything super new. Uh, it, we literally talked about this a week ago with Atomic uh, Blonde, where um, if you've seen a couple of these movies, it's hard to see some of the gun-fighting, like the new foo, as, as you know, down front exclusive. Um, it's hard to see that and not be like, oh, this is what was done there. Like, they didn't quite do the revolver thing, but Equilibrium had some really cool reload scenes where he tossed, like, the magazines out and then, like, slid into them and then killed those people. The other thing, uh, again, what we were talking about that I thought Atomic Blonde did well was that a lot of the action was cut really close and really fast, meaning there was a lot of close-ups on characters' weapons and faces and not on the action around them. So you couldn't quite tell who was shooting at who, and it basically allows you to... Do a lot of things in post where you have a whole scene play out and then you edit it by saying, like, okay, this is the actor's face when he shoots X, and then fill in X later with a random other extra getting shot and blown away. Um, and so it confuses the action, like that whole scene, the end sequence where he does the gun foo on the people, um, like in that little portal base. Uh, they were just a bunch of nameless goons that kind of got murdered with no impunity like there was no there's no connection to them Uh, they were literally just goons to get mowed down and you didn't even see Idris Elba like shoot at them they just kind of like fell down and you could tell they got shot um I don't know we could especially because we've seen movies like Atomic Blonde and John Wick do like the the pan out long shots so well I just, I really can't do action when it's cut quick like that, unless it's remarkable, which this wasn't. Um,
2: I found, found especially that final scene, it was easy to follow. Like, I don't expect it to be like John Wick or Atomic Blonde, because that's something that's trying to ground the action into realism. And this is a fantasy world. And I thought the scene at the end was really good because it just showed, like, his skills as a gunslinger. Like, yeah, he'll kill people with one bullet. Uh, because he is this magical sharpshooter. But also, if he has a group of people that are shooting at him, he may not just take the time to shoot every single one. He's going to shoot the glass above them to actually disperse them, or he'll throw uh, a canister of propane to him and make him explode. So I thought it was a really smart way of actually staging that scene, and especially the final bullet that takes out the man in black. Being able to ricochet as well as ricochet another bullet to knock that bullet over the last second where he doesn't catch it and goes through his chest. I thought it was a cool way to make I'll, the bad. I'll give you that.
0: The, so. one, the one-on-one scene was cool. I, had, I took offense to everything leading up to that because of, because of the good stuff. Like, so you're right. Like the movie wasn't those movies and it doesn't have to be those movies. It was still just bad action. You know, it, if you if you allowed the scene to unfold a little and not make as quick of cuts, you could have decidedly seen who was fighting who and then in what positions. Um, I thought about a couple other things. Uh, the dialogue was poor, and I think the, the main kid, Jake Chambers, wasn't captivating at all. Like he he really fit Warren's model of just child actors are terrible.
2: <laughs> it's not all. See, he went funny. to the Ty Simpkins School of Acting. <laughs> yeah, you it's know. funny.
0: I don't even hate Ty Simpkins in Iron Man Three. Uh, I don't like him yeah. in Jurassic World. It's, it's and, but he was totally Jurassic World. Like everything they did. Speaking again, speaking to the editing, where they, like you you cut to Idris Elba say, "I don't like this," and then you cut back to. Uh, Jake Chambers being like, well, I like this because the, the man in black's bad, and then you cut back to just it was it's it just felt like, oh, show the character that's be talking now, and then no nothing else is really important. You could do the they said this the same thing about the Star Wars prequel where it basically every expositional shot was two characters walking down a corridor with some crazy CGI going in the background. Yeah. Instead, they're not even walking, and it's just some you know, it's still some, some whatever in the background, you know, some scenic route in the background, but they're just talking at each other, not doing anything. I mean, yeah. said, I even said though, yeah, I think,
1: and I think even the said final it. scene,
2: oh, Go ahead, Sorry, and I think like the final scene where they're getting hot dogs uh, in New York is like, that, that must've, it looked like a blatant pickup shot with the kid because the kid looked like he was four inches taller and had a totally different haircut
0: too. Yeah. It was so weird. Like we need some way to end this movie, so let's do a joke. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. What is this? What kind of animal? What kind of breed is this? Um, Yeah, I think I think Blue though you probably mentioned why it was so poor. I mean, I I can't. I think at least in this movie, I gotta look back because Ty Simpkins on my shit list. So fuck that dude, but he's a grown man now. So fuck that dude. Uh, but at least for you know JakeK, Warren's or,
0: ready to throw hands. <laughs> <laughs> Let me check in a patreon thing. If
1: you want to see Warren
0: fight fight.
1: He's, not, he's, he's probably not a grown man, but still you know if you want to throw the hands, come see what? these hands. enough like a 15 year old. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just, it's one of those things in which you know if you're gonna put a child actor in a leading role, on equal playing terms as Idris Elba, and Matthew McConaughey. At least give them dialogue that's going to be supportive to make sure that I it can help him or at least give him something actionable to do that he doesn't seem to be too too weak of a character that there's no point in watching him. So I think you said it correctly though, uh, blew it like once the dialogue's poor, uh, everything else is going to like everything else is going to suffer. And all the way to Matthew McConaughey, to Idris Elba, to uh, Tom Taylor, which is his name. All of their performances are going to suffer because of whatever they're working with in that director is not giving them enough. for Like, they can act their asses off as much as possible, you know. And I'm going to, you know, reference uh, The Last night from Transformers. You know, you, you have... Uh, <laughs> anthony hopkins in that film i'm like that film's terrible it doesn't matter how well anthony hopkins does he can't save that film like it's still gonna be bad uh so it was very 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 poor dialogue and it's it was very frustrating but you know at the same time as you know you you said it, you hit it right in the head like it's it it was it's kind of poor because everything else is gonna like really kind of go down from there
0: so all right cool so we tried this out with one uh what was it I think it was like a TV show where we gave – instead of offering criticism, we gave ideas to be better. And I,
1: we've done a few what? of those. <laughs> we've done a few Iron of those. Iron yeah, Fist yeah, is yeah. the yeah, most. Yeah, I think it was Iron Fist. Fist. Yeah,
0: yeah. So, so I'd like to do that with my last criticism, offer a way to make this movie better. Um, make it about The Shine. So clearly the kid has it. It was underutilized. Like I don't actually know what it was. It was just like some mythical psychic ability that he apparently had. Um, And then clearly, McConaughey's character, someone somewhat had the ability as well, or like had the ability to track it. And so, first of all, get rid of the whole exposition at the start of it and just make it explaining what the shine is. Completely explain to us why this matters. Maybe make it so, like, Bunch of people used to have it, and no one really has it anymore. And so that's too close you know, to
1: Star Wars, though.
0: But it doesn't matter. So, so this yeah. is this would be a better movie. So at least in my opinion, uh, the, you know,
1: the shine is
0: kind of like the, the force. Okay, right. I mean, just make it, but it make it, make it so it's a central theme. And so instead of having gunslingers, instead of having Walters Magics uh, plural, instead of having the shine and then having the Dark Tower, make it so that it all. It kind of works together. So have it based on this kid who has the shine and that he has this ability and really explain what it is and what it entails and also explain that he doesn't really have a grip on it. And then so when he meets up with the gunslinger, you could make it so that he kind of knows what the shine is but can't really train the kid. And so eventually he has to do things on his own and learn how on his own. And so you see throughout the movie, him going from like wildly losing these emotions and making it really easy for McConaughey's character to track him, which is, you know, a central theme once the movie actually gets started to him being able to control it and to be untrackable. Because again, that's what, how McConaughey was able to judge the, how the plot developed was Mm -hmm. tracking him. I know I've said track a whole bunch of times. Um, and so if he becomes untrackable, then you could have him – I know, one more swear jar. Uh, you could have him fold back and have him trick the, the trickster, you know, McConaughey's character, um, and then have it resolved that way. And you'd also know what the MacGuffin was. You'd also understand how it relates and then how he's going to use it in his endgame. Like when they, hold, they said the whole thing like, oh, he's blocking it. Sure, why not? <laughs> why, fine, yeah. if that's what the shine does, that's what the shine does. I, I guess it has no bounds, and it's like a terrible force. Because at least with the force, you can make it a, uh, an excuse like, oh, that's the force happening. But you also understood the rules to it and how whatever ex- um, whatever that's... exception that you were making, how it fit into the established canon. Yeah. With no ca- established canon, you're like, sure, whatever, whatever. Like, of shine can do anything. Um and so I think making it and clearly defining what that is and then how it moves through your standard hero journey where he starts off being terrible and then gets better through training Would have made a more cohesive movie and made one that was more understandable rather than just having some random MacGuffin. Honestly, speaking of cliches, it almost operated as a Chekhov's gun, which is terrible for what your main character's special gift is. Yeah. You know, like you shouldn't be like, oh, this one thing that we mentioned in the first act is going to come back, although it is the only thing that makes that character special.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And it, uh, I mean, it definitely did the uh, Force Awakens thing where it's like, hey, you just learned about it, but at the very end, you're able to do everything with this power. Yeah. So keep teleporter doors open, resist the beam. Uh, yeah, you're the ultimate badass now. You can Congratulations.
1: Do you, you can do everything. I mean, I'll even kind of expand off, you know, instead of chatting on a movie, I want to actually give, you know, things that you can necessarily change it. Like, uh, in Blue, you, I think you started with, you know, having more sort of structure, uh, outlining, like, and talk about, like, yes, things that you can do with this actual sort of power of the shine, but you have to expand that even further. What what can the gunslinger do? What can't he do? Because it was all inconsistent all over the film. At one point, he has super strength, right? The other point, he's indestructible. He literally gets thrown out of a window, crashes into a bus, then crashes through a bus itself, only for him to get up with relative ease and grab a gun and shoot this guy. And so I'm like, wait, did you not get hurt from any of that? But I saw you get stabbed earlier very easily. So, wait. uh, So you're not entirely sure what happens there. That was very inconsistent from his powers of, you know, if you're such a badass all the time, why? Like, tell me a reason why you can't use that badass power a lot. Especially when it's... I gotta do a quick sidebar. Especially when you guys are in a farmland, you're gonna hear... A slow-rated heartbeat of somebody who's running, so that heartbeat's not going to be slow.
2: a troll ninja.
1: Oh, okay, okay. So they have they're supposed (laughs) to have slow heartbeats. Oh, I'm so sorry. (laughs) I I apologize. (laughs) No, but like you, if you're if you're tracking somebody's heartbeat who's running away, he's going to have an elevated heartbeat. Whatever. That's a cool. That's a cool moment. But this is my quick sidebar. With all the power that Walter has, why is he sending goons to literally run away with the kid? They transport it there, I'm sure, and you're going to tell me to capture a kid, you're going to run away from him? But you have the power to teleport? Come on. Um, And just talking about, like, uh, the seer's powers and what she can necessarily... Like, what, what can she see? What does she do, like... What exactly what's happening there? Um, so I just think these things need to be she more defined as well. Well, does she? Or just
2: not as, she did. She had the shine. It just wasn't as powerful uh, as Jack.
0: Okay, Jake. Jake Again, well, we do, it wasn't we defined on <laughs> on what it really was. Yeah,
1: it's it's just something that you said, and you're trying. You're you're still explaining us to what it does, but you didn't explain to us what it is yet. Um, and then, you know, lastly, the, Walter's character. What was his power? Because there was literally no, re- like, reservations for what he could do. And it made it super confusing of, you're walking down the street, and you're going to tell a little girl to hate? Uh, which is like, okay. And then you can automatically make people stop breathing, but then at other points, you got to make people kill each other? Yeah, he's just, <laughs> I mean... There's similar characters in other
2: Stephen King tales, like Randall Flagg in *The Stand*. He's like a Satan analog, so it's like ultimate evil versus ultimate good type of thing.
1: Got it. Yeah, it's just like, and I just have to like agree but with yeah, it going But it, it's it's not explained, and it's no. not
2: clear why he's doing what he's doing yeah. at all. I,
1: I guess my other my other big thing to me, and as much as I love this dude as a as an actor and a character for a lot of things, you have to recast Matthew McConaughey. I don't think yes. this was the right role for him. Uh, I think he, first of all, his hair was a different color. It was super gelled up. Like Brylan said, he was super shiny. He was way too clean. I understand. I think they were going of he's supposedly more kept together, being a sorcerer. Like I understand that that uh, comparison. What they were trying to do, of the gunslinger was really dirty and like weathered, and he was much more clean and kept together. Uh, but. It's Matthew McConaughey. We cannot now unsee all these roles that he's been in, and him just basically being Matthew McConaughey and being really all smooth and doing like telling people what to do. It's it's really difficult for me to try to believe um, you.
0: It would be sick if every portal was just a Lincoln. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> or I, if
2: he, uh, I if he just like went up to someone, it's like go buy a Lincoln Town car and
0: they just, they
2: just did it.
1: No, uh, you know, I was really trying to think of the people, people who would like. Uh, I, I'm going to let you uh, finish it in, in a moment, but, but uh, I'm interested to know. You know, I was really wanted to know who would uh, have to be. You know, Walter. Like if it, if it's a recast and if it's a true recast, I need somebody who's like. The the I think his name is um Rufus Wainwright Walt Walter Goggins. Oh, Walter Goggins will be good, but I think a bit more too comic, uh, too too out it there. It might be
2: too over the top. Yeah,
1: I was thinking of Rufus Wainwright I believe that's his name from um, uh, the Man in the High Castle. He plays Obergruppenführer Smith. Um, oh, somebody's more I, Rupert Everett. I, yeah, Rupert Everett. Oh, my bad. I was way around. Who the yeah. hell is Rufus Wainwright Anyways, um, so he was a singer. Oh, okay, there you go. I, I needed somebody a bit more reserved. Um, somebody who has a little bit more I like n- n- it can be a little more stoic. like you can tell that what they're not saying has a sense of evilness from them. Um, and I guess he just played it a little bit more like a like a, a jovial, and that's just something I just it just didn't work for me. Yeah,
2: yeah. just to add on to your criticism about consistency what you would add to it. Mm. One thing I would think is it would have been a much better movie if they stuck with the consequence they gave Roland, where it was like um, he's getting a lot of crap for being on this mission of vengeance to actually avenge his father and everything when his duty is to uh, protect the Tower. And at the end, you allow him to be able to satisfy both needs. Yeah. where. He kills the person that killed his dad, and he takes care of what's endangering uh, the tower. Clean your hands. Everything's hunky dory now. Yeah. So if you gave him a situation where he had to choose one of the other, it would have definitely been a lot better.
1: Yeah, I mean, and even in that in, in that exact moment, the way that they they, they could have switched it around, right? They could have switched it and said he saves the kid's life. He saved Jake's life before he kills Walter or even if he doesn't kill Walter but he has to kill Walter because Walter is now going to kill Jake so out of self-defense and protecting of the people that's why a gunslinger then has to kill Walter but they their reasoning is all jumbled up and it's kind of messed up there that also didn't uh that didn't that also didn't work uh Blewett you had something before we were talking about um, things- no,
0: I was just going to say, I, I, you raised a good point where Walter's motivations are kind of weak, where Walter can go anywhere that he likes at any point and just wreak absolute havoc. Why would he want to end all of that? Yeah. Uh, most of the time in the traditional like Judeo-Christian view of Satan, um, he's like a trickster that just kind of wants to rule over the world himself. So if you make uh, Walter a Satan analog, why would he want to give up that power to some external source? Yeah. It just wants, The motivation made no sense whatsoever. He wants existence to be there. Yeah. What?
2: He wants existence to actually, I mean, to exist. Right, right, he right. He wants right, life yeah. to continue so he can right. be, and be so, the conqueror
0: of it. So if he lets the outside of the universe in, it ends life. Like, why...
1: Because I thought,
0: I thought that was the point where, like, the whole outside getting in would just end things as we know it, and that Walter would go along with it.
1: Some people, because Walter like was part of that
0: burn. universe,
1: just like seeing the world so, burn.
0: I guess he mm-hmm. just wants to destroy it, even himself. I I don't know. I don't. The motivation was weak. Yeah.
2: Fair. Yeah, it was, and I was actually expecting Roland to actually shoot Jake at the end, and maybe it would cause like some type of feedback loop to the. Uh, beam weapon uh, which would have been like wow that's a <laughs> hard choice to make right there yeah
1: I mean that would have like cause truthfully it you know I really enjoy that Bradley like you just I, there's like a bunch of thoughts just pop into my head but to protect the world right you have to you have to kill the person who's like is like that being itself. So that's that's a good point, man. That been, I don't think they would have did that in this movie, but I, 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 re- re- I kind of <laughs> really wish that they actually did now. Um, well, yeah. then then offering uh, constructive criticism,
0: the other idea is make this completely a Walter versus gunslinger movie.
1: Yeah, you know, and like, and, like and like
0: then Ali show push. them them from the beginning of their conflict show Walter killing all the other gunslingers instead of one arbitrary battle featuring the president of the United States Um, and uh, from 24, of course, uh, a.k.a. the Allstate guy. Um, So, you know, just, like, like, show that happening rather than all this stuff with the kid. Like, imagine if the gunslinger finds the kid on this barren land that he's never... He's like, how did you get here? And then the kid kind of quickly tells that story of how he goes. And then uh, the gunslinger, whose faith is completely broken at this point, finds out that this kid has the shine, which is something that you never he never really anticipated seeing another person with, and that how he had to guard that person from Walter until he was powerful enough to go. And then at that point you could have almost have it reversed where um, in some way, the gunslinger had to die to save the kid. And it would be the ultimate sacrifice of someone that we started off, learned how he lost faith in in his people, and then had to regain it to somehow save the world. I don't know. That seems too cliche, but it would have been a better
1: movie. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a lot of things with this movie. I mean, I was even thinking of the fact that the one thing that really, I think my biggest sort of criticism besides all the recasts of this movie and stuff was... The fact that it was, it, it, I think Bryland alluded, I think Bryland mentioned this but I did, I'm going to echo another part as it, it was as if, you know, Idris Elba's character Roland just had it very easily uh, to the point where he's about to die and all he needs is antibiotics just to become completely fully back yeah. to Just completely clean. Yeah, Apparently, earth
0: medicine is
1: amazing. <laughs> right? It treats. Yeah, radi- we got those Percocets. Yeah, it treats radiation. Yeah, <laughs> He's purchased Percocets and vitamins. Apparently, heals uh, hepatitis A, B, E, and freaking radiation poisoning. Who knows? Um, although I did think in that moment in the hospital that they were alluding to the fact that uh, Roland has to die at some point because he ha- he is poisoned. Um, so maybe they like uh jake's character will take over being the main gunslinger with the shine and that's something that we hadn't seen before sort of thing who knows um the other thing i was interested in of you know why is roland um resistance to walter's power like what's that connection between them there and everybody that roland cares about has to die uh and, and, and this is one of the things that I want to kind of bring up is I understand that this is probably going to be talked about in the future thing. But once you re- once you highlight and you really focus on, oh, hey, you're going to learn about this in the next installment, just tune in next week sort of thing. Uh, there's just way too many um, holes and just way too many sort of plot holes and just issues with of well, why would you put it in the movie? Why would you put this in the movie if you're not going to fully explain what's happening Um because you know we don't we, like it's all, we already know that the third act is starting so this is you're not going to explain this and uh, even to the fact that uh, jumping back well they didn't like they showed his mom dying off scene and that was a very very tough moment that they really glazed over pretty quickly I thought um, yeah so and all he did was just get just get angry and says he he did this for a reason sort of thing so and that was it uh, but you know what can you do. What can you do? There's yeah. things that can be changed, there's things that can make this this movie better. This movie wasn't, you know, horrible, wasn't terrible, but it also had a lot of things that there's a lot of issues with this movie that and I'm not gonna be surprised when people say that, you know, this movie's bad and I hated this movie because X, Y, and Z and I didn't I didn't I didn't need to read the books to say I didn't like this movie. So kind of a bar. So let's uh, as we wrap up, let's talk about some grades. Uh, and I see that we got a couple of them here. So I'm going to start with uh, Brylan first. Uh, what's your grades? Your final grades giving uh, Dark Tower? Uh,
2: I'm going to give it a D. I mean, it's definitely a movie, but it's a poorly made movie that uh, really doesn't get you either started or even capture what I've heard is the richness of the content of this series because. This is supposed to be Stephen King's magnum opus. It's supposed to be the thing to actually read from Stephen King. And I'm hoping the books are a lot better. Um, This movie forgot the face of its father. Um, (laughs) I would say that I will take away that the gunslinger seems like a cool character. And I like his words, too.
1: Nice. Cool. Mike, what you got for me?
0: Yeah, so I give it a D plus because this movie went full Lewis H. R. It was just full of holes.
1: I, you know, what? I'm not going to entertain that. I don't, deep cut? <laughs> <Yes>.
0: <laughs> no, 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 no. Lewis H. R. is the author that wrote Holes. You just looked that up, you? Oh, here. that is a deep cut. Yeah, a, that's Man. a very no. That's deep. Not a deep, that's, come on, that's a deep cut. Come on, son. <laughs> I remember seeing little, little. Uh, what's his face? The other guy. Shia LaBeouf. Shia LaBeouf. Uh,
1: yeah, I mean, I I definitely had to change my grade just looking at it, and I think the one reason that I had to change my grade was some of the information that, uh, Blewett described. I didn't realize this was, like, the eighth movie, and what their plan on kind of... I, I guess my thing is, once you know that information, I don't see that this franchise or whatever they're trying to do, uh, this storytelling is gonna be any better, unless it's gonna be entirely revamped, uh this movie did seem like there's a lot of competing elements going. It definitely looks like that there's a lot of other writers. I'm, I'm interested to see like a different cut or a different scheme of this of what's going to happen, because it may have been a cohesive story somewhere in there. Because um, that made sense, but then there's other moments that just kind of died down. We didn't even talk about the people with the sewn-on skin and that stuff. That, that's kind of weird. Uh, but I think that... Well, I th- I, well, what I'm saying is that there's some interesting... There's interesting things planted in there that we w- we need more focus on that. Like st- tell a sci-fi fantasy story, and less of what you gave me, um, sort of thing. So my grade's gonna be a C minus. I'll I'll have a I i will have a... I have a little more faith. I have faith in this movie. Uh, I believe in the shine a little bit, and uh, I hopefully that they come back with it because I know a lot of people are like like we used to always talk about like we I never like shat on a, on a movie. Doesn't matter how good or bad of it, unless it's Jupiter ascending. But uh, you know, it's it's just kind of a bummer that uh, this movie didn't hold up, especially with some good actors like Idris Elba, Matthew McConaughey, McConaughey. Yeah. So we're excited. I'm excited. Thank you for hanging out with us, talking about our review of The Dark Tower. Brylon, where can you find more of your work?
2: Uh, you can find me on Twitter, uh, reloading my gun. Uh, at Bryland B R I L U N D uh and you can find my many movie reviews on instagram at i am
1: awesome the shredder blew it where can i find where you work and which which, which shows you got up, coming up
0: yeah we got a show still coming up on wednesday uh because game of thrones might not be in people's ears yet um and we are playing somewhere in the cambridge somerville uh massachusetts area so for any of our listeners from across the country, if you want to fly in for a great punk rock show of about a half hour, uh, do your best um, and be our guest. Uh, as far as social media, you can find us at Minus Music and Minus Band on most platforms. It, like, If one doesn't work and you're really interested on hearing a mediocre punk, punk band play stuff, uh, the other one will. Um, as far as... Um, as for email, I think i got to go with what? Jesse Brand Takes My Breath Away.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. At it. gmail.com. That's much better. That's much better. Uh, I thought for sure he was talking about what he told me last night. It was Jesse Forgot a Faith of His Father at ymail.com. So it's, it's, it's kind of long, but he, he at least had it there. It's kind of strange. Uh, J- Jesse Shine. That's it. Jesse Shine. Jesse Shine. <laughs> Jesse shine. There's a lot of S's <laughs> in it. Say that five times oh, I know, right? Uh, Rose. Uh, so yeah, we are the Down in Front Podcast. And, uh, as, as always, thanks for hanging out with us. Uh, we have a bunch of different platforms. The first one we want to talk about is our video teasers. We put up these small teasers on YouTube. We're going to put the uh, link in the actual show notes as well. We'll also tweet out the video. We'll talk about just a bunch of what we do. You can see our beautiful faces. You, sh- you can see how good we look. And we talk about different things that really gets us pumped and excited about our actual reviews. So check that out at YouTube. Um, So we have Facebook, we have Twitter, Uh, our Facebook is facebook.com slash D-I-F-P podcast. So that's facebook.com slash D-I-F podcast where we talk about a bunch of other stuff that we see on our Twitter. On our Twitter account, is at underscore D-I-F-P. That's at underscore down in front podcast. Uh, and what we're going to be doing is talking about our patreon.com slash down in front, in which the website you can go sign up to be a subscri- subscriber is for what as low as $1 a month. It's the it's cost of an Arizona iced tea, a half and half with an honor Palmer. It's delicious. One dollar a month, that's all it needs. Feel free to sign up, let us know. Um, You can also comment in there. There you're actually going to get even more information, just for a dollar there. So it's actually pretty cool, where you can get early episodes, you can be on our podcast, you can actually tell us what you want to review, you can actually Skype in, it'll be awesome for it, so... It's going to be super exciting. It's an exciting time for us just so that we can get more content and we can actually keep talking about things that should be talked about because there's a lot of stuff that's being skipped over, and as long as we can at least mention it during our What You've Been Watching segment, we feel like that's the, that's the way to go. Um, so that's going to be patreon.com slash down in front. With that, I am Warren. I am with my good friends Brylan and Blewett. We will say thank you so much for listening in and tuning in to the Down in Front podcast, and we will see you next time. Bye-bye! And don't forget the face of your father. Yes.